Mark 1, 1 through 20. It is the second gospel, the second book in the New Testament. I'm going to start reading. Guys, this is God's word. Let's listen. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John's calling him to repent. And he says there's someone greater coming who's actually going to save you. going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then John's word is fulfilled. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the, in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals. And angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This, tonight, we're going to talk about how Jesus brings us home. Jesus brings us home when we were in exile. So, have any of you been on a vacation and you are having a bunch of fun, but after a while, or maybe it's like summer camp or something like that, after a while you're like, I've had a lot of fun, but I just miss home. Like, I miss being at my place with my people. And when you start getting home, you're like, oh, familiar sights, I'm home. And then you sleep in your bed. It's just, there's just no place like home. Even if you are on the best vacation ever, home is just a good place to be. And there's, that's even, even more so when you're, when you're far away and you're a place where you don't want to be. And you're like, I miss home. I want to be home. There's all this suffering over here. And it's not like, it, like I, was, it was, I was made for. Not like I wanted it to be. And we want to be with the people we miss. And at the place we were raised. And... That is, 
something God put in our hearts to be a picture that reminds, reminds us of our need for him and our, our problem in this world is that we were exiled. We were once at home with God in the right place. We were in the Garden of Eden. No suffering, no sin. It was a good place. And we were with the right person, God. And with the right people, with one another, we had fellowship. But then when we sinned, we were exiled. And that's the story of the Bible, a story of exile. And so that's my first point, is that our sin exiles us from God. Our sin exiles us from God. And we're going to see this in the first eight verses as we look at John the Baptist's preaching. Look at verses 2 through 3. It says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So right off the bat, Mark, the author of this gospel, is saying, Everything that I'm about to tell you is happening in fulfillment of what was written hundreds of years ago by a Jewish prophet. And, and what he says is, he, he's quoting actually three passages here. He puts them all together. He wants it, and the passages are Isaiah 40, verse 3, Malachi 3, verse 1, and Exodus 23, 20. It's, a, it's pretty crazy, but they all have the same theme, is that the people have been, Exodus 20 is after, 23 is, they've been in exile. They've been in Egypt, and God says, I'm going to bring them out. I'm going to send an angel before you to bring you out of the land. Malachi is talking about, in Malachi 3, 1, They've sinned, and he says, I'm going to send an angel who's going to go before me to prepare for the time when I come to judge. And the one in Isaiah, there's he, the whole book has been judging, talking about Israel, how they've been sinning, and they're being judged for it. They're being exiled into a foreign land. And it's just judgment after judgment after judgment spoken about God's wrath against sin. But God's heart, he can't talk about judgment forever. It's Isaiah 40. He says, Comfort, oh comfort, my people. Their sins, their warfare is over. I'm going to... They received the punishment for their sin. I'm going to bring them back. And he says, When I bring them back from their exile, there's going to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. And what Mark's saying here is that John is that voice. God is now coming to bring his people back from exile. So what this is basically telling us is that the whole story of the Bible... In, in, in one sense, is a story of sin and exile. God made Adam, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, planted him in the garden. He was tempted by Satan. He sinned. He was exiled. He died. Now he's guilty. Now his heart is corrupt. We, he hates others. There's, he's, he's blaming his wife. And he hates God. He's afraid. He's ashamed. And he's naked. And the relationship with God is not as it was before. Fast forward. Noah. He's living. All humanity is exiled and sinful. But God chooses Noah. He saves him out of that wicked generation. He brings him through these waters of the flood, the waters of judgment. And the winds blow. The dove goes out over the water. It recites, the water is, it recedes. And then Noah comes out. And he's in a garden. And then he sins. And then he's naked and ashamed. And it tells us Noah couldn't bring us rest. He couldn't bring us back from exile. 
We need to look for someone else. Fast forward to Israel. They're in exile in Egypt. They're worshiping false gods. Exile has these main parts. We're guilty. We're worshiping false gods. We're living for our sin. And because of that, we're, our life is a life of misery that's going to end in death. That's the condition of the whole world. And that's what it was for Israel. But then God said, I'm coming down now. I'm going to bring them up. That's Exodus verse three, chapter 3. And I'm going to bring them out of this land. And so we come. Just like Noah was brought through the flood, Israel was brought through the Red Sea. Just like the, all the people who lived at that time were judged, so the Egyptians were judged as God saved his people through the Red Sea. And in the New Testament, both the flood in 1 Peter 3 and the Red Sea, crossing the Red Sea is called a baptism. God brings his people, his son, through the baptism, brings them into a land. Israel, what happens to them? They come to the Mount Sinai. And they're coming out of exile. Then God gives them his law. And they're being tested again, just like Adam, just like Noah. And 40 days and 40 nights they're at that mountain. And they break the law. Then they're in the wilderness. 40 years. And because they sinned, all those who sinned cannot enter into the promised land. It's basically saying, if you're tempted in the wilderness, if you give in to sin, you can't enter into the promised land. So there's just this expectation in the Bible. Who's going to come to bring us back from exile? Who's going to bring us home? And so John comes. That's what the prophets, you know, Israel does come into the land. And the prophets say, you guys have sinned. You're going to be exiled again. So they go into Babylon and Syria, and they're far away. But God says, one day I'm going to bring you back. What's the problem with your exile? It's that you're sinful and guilty. Well, I'm going to forgive your sins. All of them. Another problem is that your hearts keep going after sin and idolatry, false gods, off to the world. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you, and you're going to live. And your guys' lives are characterized by suffering and death eventually. But one day, I'm going to cause a new creation, and the former things, suffering, death, tears, will not be remembered. I'm going to bring you out of exile. Misery and death will be no more. And they say before that day comes, there's going to be one who's going to cry out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Mark 1, verse 4, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He's telling them, right now, repent. The forgiveness of sins that they promised in the Old Testament, it's going to happen now. God is coming to save. God is coming to bring you out of exile. And they were responding. And the Old Testament said, when the people turn to the Lord again, they're going to come back from exile. And it's, and it's, that kind of theme is coming up here. And all the country of Judea, verse 5, and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So baptism was this symbol. Just as water washes away dirt, the baptism was a symbol that God was going to wash away their sins. It was also a symbol of purification. Things were washed so that they could be holy and devoted to God. And he's saying, God's going to wash you. It says in Ezekiel 36, we bring you back from exile. I'm going to purify your heart so that you don't go after your sins anymore. So God forgives our sins and he gives us new hearts that are clean, devoted to God. And John's saying, that's what you need. You need to be forgiven. You need to have a new heart that loves God. So repent. And 
Verse 6 is an interesting verse. It says, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And like, why is that? <laughs> What's that about? Why is he wearing camel's hair? Why does he have a leather belt? And why is he eating locusts and wild honey? Um, that, that verse is actually alluding to 2 Kings 1, chapter 1, verse 8, which says the same thing about Elijah. He's clothed with camel's hair and wear a leather belt around his waist. Now Elijah was a prophet in the time of Israel's history where they were the worst most corrupt they pretty much ever were. And he was calling them back to repentance. And in Malachi 4, God says, I'm going to send Elijah one day. Before I, before I come to judge, before I come to save, Elijah's going to come back and call people to repentance again. And they're saying here, John the Baptist is that Elijah who came before the Lord would come. So, all this to say, the picture here is that all humanity and Israel at that time even though they were in the land, they were still spiritually in exile. They were far from God's presence. They needed their sins to be forgiven. They needed their hearts to be changed. And they needed someone to save them from death and suffering. So, and that, that same thing is true of us today. Exile is a picture of being far from the place and the person to whom we belong. In the Bible, the place is heaven, free from sin and suffering. The person is God, our Father, and his people. And the reason for our exile is our guilt, rebellion, and love for false gods. When we understand exile this way, it becomes clear that we are not at all that different from the people in John the Baptist's day. This world is full of pain and suffering and sin because all of humanity is born in exile. From the moment we are born, we are exiled and alienated from God and either indifferent or hostile toward him. We don't know the joy of his presence. So, does your life look like you're exiled from God or at home with God? Do you love and enjoy fellowship with God, or is he boring and tedious to you? If he is boring to you, then it's a sign that maybe you don't really know him, and you might still be in exile, and you need to come back, come home. Have you come to God confessing your sinfulness and the particular sins you sinned against him? Have you acknowledged your great need for his mercy and forgiveness? Have you repented of your sins, like Israel was doing here, and your love for the world and idols? Are you still repenting? That's what a Christian is, someone who continually repents and turns to God with mercy. If the answer to the questions is no, then you're still in exile. And if you do not repent and come to God for mercy, then you will be judged for eternity in hell. The Lord is coming again. And the exile we experience now, where there's suffering and sin in this world, and where we're alienated from God's presence, this exile is just a faint picture of what hell will be. Eternal exile from God's presence, from his goodness. We need to be forgiven. We need a new heart that hates sin. And John the Baptist said, someone's coming who can do that. I can only do a little baptism that's a picture of it. But there's one who can actually do that. He can wash away your sin. Look at verses 7 through 8. He preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. says, Jesus, or the one who's coming after me, he's great and mighty, and he's able to save. I'm not even worthy to perform the lowest service to him, even though I'm the greatest prophet there ever was. That's how great Jesus is. He says, I baptize with you, you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus is going to come. There's someone who's going to come to save. And that's what we learn in the next verses. So sin exiles us from God. Guys, we've got to see. We've got a problem. We're exiled from God because of our guilt, because of our rebellion against him, because our hearts turn away from him. And we need a new heart. We need someone to forgive us. And that prepares us for the good news in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came. Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Stop right there. Their baptism was a symbol of their sinfulness, of how they needed God to save them, of how they were rebellious sinners. Jesus never sinned. Why was he being baptized? Because he was saying, I'm coming to take the place of sinners. I'm coming to represent sinners. I'm going to be baptized in the waters of judgment, like the flood, so that they can be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the life that I'm going to give them. And there's so many amazing things here. But, but we want to focus on how Jesus meets the problem of our guilt and how he meets the problem of our estranged relationship with God. We love the world and sin. So, how does he meet the problem of our guilt? Well, I just kind of got into it. Jesus was baptized. He identified with sinners. He was numbered with the transgressors, as Isaiah 53 says. And an interesting thing, if you look at verse 8 again, it says that Jesus, John says, Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. If you look at other places in the Gospels where the same account is mentioned, they say that he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so he's saying he's going to give life and salvation, but he's also going to do a baptism with fire, meaning he's going to pour out God's wrath on those who disobey. But here Mark doesn't say that in verse 8. Why doesn't he do that? Well, he does talk about a baptism of judgment, but his point is that Jesus didn't come the first time to judge us, but to take the judgment for us. Mark 10, 38, Jesus does talk about a baptism of judgment. He says to the disciples, can you guys be baptized with the baptism I'm going to be baptized with? Or drink the cup that I'm going to drink? He's talking about the cross. On the cross, Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath. The lake of fire was tipped over and poured out on Jesus so that there is no room in it anymore for those who believe in him. He was exiled on the cross, forsaken by God and abandoned to die in our guilt and sin so that he might bring us home. Jesus was exiled so that he could bring forgiveness to us. He was baptized with fire so that we could be baptized with the Spirit. But he did not stay in exile. He didn't stay underwater, but came up out of the water. He took the punishment as a substitute for all of us who are rebellious sons, but then rose again as God's beloved son, vindicated by the Holy Spirit. So, there's the baptism of fire. There was the flood in the Old Testament that was the judgment of water. There was the Exodus where the Egyptians were judged. And Jesus is saying, now I'm taking that judgment. The lake of fire that the flood water pointed to. He was baptized in it. He was dunked under for us on the cross. So, we deserve judgment for our guilt. Jesus forgives us. Because he took it for us. And an amazing thing is, 
Look at verse 10. It says, And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. That word torn open. I write here, Mark is alluding back to Isaiah 63 and 64, where Isaiah is saying, We're in exile. God, you've come to save us from exile before in Egypt. Do it again. Before, like I said before, Exodus 3, God said, I've come down to deliver them. I've heard they're growing, they're suffering in exile. I'm going to save them. Isaiah says, God, rend the heavens and come down. Save us. And right here, Mark's saying, Isaiah's prayer has been answered. God tore the heavens open. And he's come down. He's come down to identify with sinners in their, in their exile. To identify with us. To take our judgment. God came down to save us. And there's one more place in Mark's gospel where that word torn open is used. And it's at Jesus' death on the cross. He gives up his spirit. And it says the veil was torn open. So first, at his baptism, the heavens were torn open. God came down to identify with sinners. But at his death, where he was baptized with fire, where he was judged for us, he opened up the gates of heaven. He tore the veil so that we could have access to God's presence. We read, he, he identified with us in our sin and misery and exile so that we could identify with him and be joined with him, entering into God's presence again. When he rose again from the dead, he went, he went into heaven. And he heard those words once again. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And that's true of us now. If you believe in Jesus, God says to you, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. And I was just listening to something today. Where someone's like, Now obviously, you're a girl like, I don't know if I want to be a beloved son. But the thing is, the Bible does the same thing with the bride of Christ. You know, all the guys here are the bride of Christ, and all you girls are beloved sons of God. And it's, it's a good thing, because that means you're not just a child of God. You, you share the same love that God has for the, his son, Jesus. He has that for you now, because Jesus identified himself with you. So, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So, Jesus has accomplished that work to bring us home. And now we can rest in his work. He says, he went and he was tempted in the wilderness. Now, they went, the Israelites went through the baptism. Adam, or Noah went through the baptism, then they were in the garden, and then they were tempted and they sinned and fell. Jesus was baptized. Look at verses 9 through 11. He was baptized, God's son, and then he went into the wilderness, and he was tempted by Satan. For how long? Forty days and forty nights, just like the Israelites. But Mark's saying here, where they failed, where they sinned, Jesus obeyed. He was faithful. And because he was perfect and without sin, he can forgive us. He can give us his righteousness so that we, our guilt can be taken away. We can come back into God's presence. So... This is God's good news for us. We can come to be with him. We are his beloved children. Even when we sin. Even when we, we think exactly the opposite. Like God doesn't want to be near us. He does want us to come home. So, Jesus brings us back home. 
We were once estranged from God, now we have access to heaven again. And now we can call God our Father once again. And now, guys, look at verse 14. Finally, sin exiles us from God. Jesus was exiled to bring us home. And now, we live as exiles to bring others home. Verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting that into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. There's just two things I want to point out here. First, just as Jesus was exiled for us, he came down and lived in a world of sin and suffering to save us. Now he says, guys, you've got to follow me now. You've got to lay down your nets, the things that occupy you in this world, maybe your sin, and you've got to take up your cross and follow me. So he's calling us, I'm calling you to live as exiles. Now, you might, for being a Christian, you might be kicked out of your home. You might, this happened a lot in the early church, you might be disowned by your family, but I want you to know you've got a better home in heaven. I'm going to, you are now, you have a hope, and you've got a better father in heaven, and a better family, the church. So he's telling them, follow me, follow me. And they, they immediately followed him. Something about Jesus was so wonderful, they couldn't help but just come after him. But not only that, he says, as you live as exiles, I've got a job for you to do. Before I'm coming back home one day, and you, there's other people who are in exile who still are guilt, living in their guilt. They don't know forgiveness. They still don't know fellowship with God. They don't know his father. I'm gonna, you're gonna, you need to go. So verse 7, he said, Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. He's alluding to Jeremiah 16, which talks about God saying, I'm going to bring you guys back from exile again, just like I did in Egypt. I'm going to bring you back from far away, from your sins. And then he says right after that, I'm going to appoint fishers to go to the nations and bring back the scattered. He's talking about judgment there, but Jesus uses it to say, you guys are fishers of men. Now you've got the job to go out and bring others back from exile, to bring them home to Jesus, just like Jesus brought you home. And so that's the privilege we have now. We not only follow Jesus to live as exiles, but he also tells us to follow him and he'll make us fishers of men. The God who has saved you from exile and brought you home to himself is now sending you out again and telling you to go tell others about the same salvation you've experienced. So that's our privilege. We, we become fishers of men. And you guys think, I'm, <laughs> that's a hard duty. That's a hard thing to do. I, I'm having a hard time. We've, Jesus saved us. He brought us home. And our job is to go bring others home.
to experience the same salvation. And so, there's a promise here. You might not feel strong, but Jesus says, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. It's going to be a process. You might feel weak, but it's dependent ultimately on me. I can make you become fishers of men. So what you can do is three things. Pray. You said you make me a fisher of men, so make me one. Help me. I need your strength. Secondly, you may think, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell people. Well, then get engaged. When we do our life groups and we memorize verses and God's plan for us, work hard at memorizing it. We need to know the gospel for ourselves and for others. And, and finally, remember that Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit that he received to give you power and joy and boldness to share the gospel. And he's said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So, God has done great things for us. In conclusion, God unveils to us here the glory of his salvation that he has accomplished for us from Christ. We were exiled from God in a world full of sin and suffering because of our rebellion against him. But he mercifully sent his son who willingly was exiled from God's presence for us on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that he might bring us to share with him in the Father's love communicated to us by the Spirit. Think of how great is the love of the Father in parting with his beloved Son in order to welcome us into his family. Think of the love of the Son, Jesus, who willingly bore our sins and was exiled from his Father so that we could be welcomed in. And think of the love of the Spirit who the Father sent into our hearts to assure us that we are children of God, sons of God, beloved by him. God will welcome us home. The, the veil has been torn. We have access to come home again. So this is, so now we go out. We live in this world waiting for our home, and we try to bring others back home to God. So let's, let's pray. Father, thank you that you've saved us. Thank you that you don't work the way we work, the way we want you to sometimes. Your strength is made known in weakness. And you come, not, you come not in glory, but in, in shame, in order to save us from our sin and shame. Lord, bless, bless these students tonight and open up their eyes to see your salvation. Love you more. Amen.